Presumptive Democrat presidential nominee Joe Biden is currently holed up with a dead hooker in a brothel attic and engaged in a gun battle with local police. The networks have yet to cover the shootout, and the New York Times, a former newspaper, says it wishes to do a thorough investigation before absolving Biden of any wrongdoing. In a column released on Knucklehead Row, the Times op-ed page, feminist academic Jane Shrieky Face wrote, quote, We must not be lulled by the right into jumping to conclusions. As we did in the case of serial rapist Brett Kavanaugh, we still hold to our position that we should believe all women. But Christine Blasey Ford had an aspect of plausibility, whereas Biden's accuser just lies there in a pool of her own blood with a seemingly infinite number of knife wounds in her studded leather teddy. This is clearly not the same sort of situation, unquote. Times editor-in-chief Blithering Prevarication III interviewed himself in order to make sure he'd be asked the really tough questions. He then published the Q&A in the Times Media and Fish Wrap section. An excerpt of the interview reads as follows. Q. When you first published your investigation, you included a sentence reading, quote, Biden then screamed out the brothel window, I killed this hooker and I'll kill the lot of you if you try to take me out. Why did you later remove that sentence from the story? A. Although many editors, and even I myself, reviewed the story before publication, the Biden campaign felt the sentence might give the impression that Biden had murdered a prostitute and was threatening to kill police officers. That is not at all what we intended. Q. Why do you avert your eyes when you answer? A. I don't like the way you're looking at me. Q. How am I looking at you? A. Just stop. Do you think I don't know what I am? Please, stop. The rest of the interview was just inarticulate sobbing. Trigger warning. I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I feel hunky-dunky. Life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing. Hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy. The world is a bitty zing. It's a wonderful day. Hurrah, hooray. It makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray. Oh, hooray, hurrah. Well, with a little luck, we seem to be turning the corner on this thing, and it'll soon be time for young people to go back to work, then mature people, then middle-aged people, then old people, then old and sick people, and finally, and I'm sure it's safe, I'll come out of hiding. But of course, the real Chinese flu is the thing we learned along the way, and one of the things I've learned is that people recognize positive actions in movies that they don't recognize at all in real life. For me, one of the best things about Donald Trump during these troubling days has been his unshakable optimism and self-confidence. I think one of the true high points of his presidency was when he said, I built a great economy before, I'll do it again. I heard that and I just thought, yeah, that's the guy I want to be my president. I've always been honest with you about Donald Trump. I don't always like the guy. He's rude. He's crude. He stoops too often to the level of his opponents. But you know what? Better a guy like that who believes in himself and in us and in this country and in the possibilities of the future than some professorial undertaker droning out a ceaseless litany of guilt and accusations and possible disasters, like, say, Barack Obama, like, say, Nancy Pelosi, like, say, every so-called journalist, like too many Twitterers and experts and other buffoons. This is a bad disease. It's not the flu. We have to proceed with intelligence and caution. I get all that. But who's the hero of every movie? It's not the guy who says, oh, this is hard and scary. Let's stay home. It's the guy who says the odds are impossible, but I'm going to make it happen. How can we tell the good guys from the bad guys when we watch TV? The bad guys sow chaos and fear. 
to get their way. The good guys have the steady hope and confidence to shut them down and set things right so the world can go on as it should. Morality is not easy, but it's sometimes simple. Hope is good. Despair is bad. Despair is utterly useless. What has despair ever, ever accomplished for anyone? It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Hope and confidence give you a chance, even in the darkest hour. I've lived a long time. I've seen this again and again. We all know you can fail. We all know you can die. We all know everything can sometimes go wrong. It's the guy who, knowing that, pushes on, who has a chance to be the star of whatever movie he's in. There is no doubt Trump has behaved like that guy when no one else around him has dared. He might lose. We might have a resurgence of the flu on the one hand or a depression on the other. But if he does what he thinks he can, it will be because he thought he could. And I will back that guy every single time. All right. Let us talk about paint your life. This is a great thing. First of all, while you're sitting around, this is a great way you can decorate your house with pictures of loved ones, pets, anything. This is These are paintings made from photographs, but they're paintings made by a professional uh, painter who is going to hand paint a portrait created from any photo and at an affordable price. I have one. I keep it in the studio. I haven't seen it for a while, but it, I took a picture of myself. I used that. They did a great, great job turning it into a painting. You can send any picture of yourself, your children, your family, a special place you like, a cherished pet. You can even combine photos. It's a quick and easy process. You get a hand-painted portrait in about three weeks. It's a perfect gift to show you care for a wedding, anniversary, birthday, or just a really good friend. Right now, as a limited time offer, you can get 30% off your painting. That's right, 30% off and free shipping. To get the special offer, text the word Andrew to 64,000. That's Andrew to 64,000. Text A-N-D-R-E-W to 64,000. See, I explained to you how to spell Andrew because some people don't know that. We got Glenn Beck coming on later on. But first, the question before us is, can we reopen? The news today, just heartbreaking. Another 5.2 million Americans filed for unemployment benefits, uh, bringing the total seeking aid in a month of coronavirus-related shutdowns to 22 million. This is going to be really tough. It, listen, as I've said before, it's not just about how many people are out of work. It's about how long they're out of work. If they're out of work for 10 minutes, not going to matter. If they're out of work for a month, tough, but beatable. If they are out of work for a really long time, we're going to have real big problems. And so we have to get back to work. We don't have to rush back to work. We don't have to do it all together. We have to do it thoughtfully. We have to do it carefully. But all these people saying, oh, 18 months, wait till we have a vaccine. Can't be that way. It just cannot be that way. That is worse. That's a cure worse than the disease. So if I don't know if we have knucklehead row racked up, but we should take a, a little trip to knucklehead row where the New York Times has its op-ed page and talk to chief knucklehead Paul Krugman. This is the guy who said the stock market would never recover just before it had its best run ever. Let's hear what he's saying now about going back to work. No one's been through this before. The closest model we have, you know, is the uh, the influenza of 1918-19, where it turns out that places that were too eager to return to normal life ended up paying a price. They ended up actually hurting themselves economically. So, um, but one thing we know for sure is that the United States is nowhere close to that point. So this is you know, the idea that we can reopen in a few weeks is crazy. The failing New York Times, which is like so bad. <laughs> you know, this is the thing. If you're watching a movie and the guy who says that we can't do it, it can't be done. 
you know who he is, right? You know he's not the he's not the good guy. He's not the guy who's going to pull us through this. That's the kind of talk I expect to get from a guy like Krugman, who's been wrong consistently for the last fifteen years. If he worked for any other paper, he would not be working for that paper. But it's only the New York Times, which, as we have seen this week with the Joe Biden story, is committed to selling misinformation. That's the only reason he's still there. You know, it's really interesting today. There was a uh, an article on the front page of the New York Times by senior economic reporter Neil Irwin about how the economy is going to change. And it says one lesson of these episodes of economic tumult is that those surprising ripple effects tend to result from longstanding unaddressed frailties. Crises have a way of bringing to the fore issues that are easy to ignore in good times. One obvious candidate for reform is globalization, in which companies can move production wherever it's most efficient. People can hop on a plane and go nearly anywhere, and money can flow to wherever it will be put to its highest use. The idea of a world economy with the United States as its center was already falling apart. There are signs that the COVID-19 crisis is exaggerating and possibly cementing those changes. And when they have an expert come in who says, you know, this is the, this does accelerate the type of thinking that has been going on in the Trump administration. Trump has been right. He was right about globalization. It's in the New York Times where it must have, they must have gagged on the words and they try to hide them. They try to bury them. But that's what they're saying. Krugman, entirely wrong. Trump has been often, often right. So here's the thing right? People are starting to get itchy. They want to go back to work and people are overstepping. Governors are overstepping their bounds. They're doing too much. They're seizing too much power. They're being, they're talking about too long a timeline. I have been cautious about not being the right-wing guy who starts bloviating about our civil rights. I understand, I have said this again and again, but it's true. The states have a lot of police power when it comes to emergencies. This is an emergency. It's an emergency because we didn't know. We didn't know what the effects were going to be, right? So I, I, the people who've been saying, oh, it's just the flu, or we get, you know, 60,000 people a year sometimes die of the flu. That was in 2017, I think. It's not always like that. I don't think this is the flu. I don't think that that's right. And I think that these guys, the people who are leading every country in the world, Germany is starting to talk about going back to work, but every country has shut down to some degree. And the country, even Sweden, where they say they didn't shut down, they did. They stopped going to restaurants and they trusted to the fact that people would do the right thing because they're all the same person, right? They're all the same Swedish guy. The three things, the three things that have made me cautious about this disease. One is that Trump shares my interests. I know he wants to get the economy moving again, and he's getting the best information, and he has still kept things moving in a, in a stately pace. So, I, you know, you don't have to like him. You don't have to believe he's always right, but I trust him because his interests align with mine, and he's getting the best information in the world, right? He's got to make the choice. He's got to make the decisions, but still, he's getting the best information in the world. Some guy on Twitter, S-G-O-T, right, is not getting the best information in the world. He read an article somewhere that made him, that uh, fed into his bias already there, and he is just mouthing off. So that makes me a little cautious. The other thing is, is that every country has been shutting down a little bit. I, I don't think they're they're all wrong. And SGOT, some guy on Twitter, is right. I think that all these leaders aren't tyrants. They're not all crazy. They all saw the same thing coming down the pike. They have all had shutdowns. And it looks to me like the places where they shut down did a little better than the places where they didn't shut down. The third thing is just anecdotal evidence. It's when the flu comes through, I don't know people who die. I do know them. When celebrities don't die, they don't drop off like this. The, the prime minister of England doesn't go into the ICU. This flu, it is true that if you're a young person, your risks of dying from this are very, very, very low. I mean, very low. It is true. 
It is true that the people who are dying are older, but it's not the same way the flu kills people, right? I, I had pneumonia like a year and a half ago. I hiked. I worked full time. That's why I'm damaged now. The reason I am damaged now is because I'm a, I'm a hard, hard ass, right? And I get pneumonia. I just didn't care. I just didn't do anything about it. And one part of my lung shut down because I was a, a jerk, right? I was I'm the opposite of a hypochondriac. I just didn't pay any attention to it. I can withstand the flu. I can withstand pneumonia. This thing is killing people who still have another 15, 20 good years left. It's different than something that, that what they, they used to call pneumonia, the old man's friend, because you're lying around in the old age home and this carries you away. That's the flu. That's what the flu does to you. This thing grabs you by the throat and strangles you and throttles you to death. And as we all know, we all have to save the Clavin. So that's, that's why, that is why I've been very cautious about this. I'm saying like, I do believe young people should start to go back to work. I do believe then we should start to have more people going back to work a little more. So continue some social distancing, maybe wear some masks, but a little, but you know, a conscious, conscientious way of going back to work. But we shouldn't kid ourselves that this thing couldn't spike and come back. It, it spreads faster. It lasts longer than the flu. You know, I, I know that everybody's pounding their fists in your hands, but like have a little bit of um, humility. Have a little bit of humility to know the things that you don't know and just, you know, move with caution. That's all I, that's all I think. Having said that, Democrats in various localities have lost their freaking minds and they have overstepped. And you always say this, scratch a leftist, find a tyrant. But this has really been true. In Michigan, demonstrators now took their cars and jammed the streets around the Capitol in Lansing to protest the absolute craziness of this of the Michigan governor, Gretchen Whitmer, who has these random things that she has decided people can't do. You can't go next door. You can't drive to your country home. You can't buy seeds. You can't buy seeds for some reason though you know it's just it's as if it really is if she's in a, wearing a napoleon suit walking back and forth and saying i am a god now so they interview her and i want to make sure we get the right cut this is the cut about the snow they interview her why are you shutting all these things down in such a crazy way this is cut five here's her reply we just had snow. I've got snow on the ground here in Michigan right now in Lansing. We're expecting you know, up to 30 inches in the Upper Peninsula. The fact that we're cracking down on people traveling between homes or planting or um, landscaping or golfing really for a couple more weeks isn't going to meaningfully impact people's ability to do it because the snow will do that in and of itself. Fail to do so and the consequences may be <laughs> severe. <laughs> That's like, it's like the Constitution takes a snow day. You know, I used, to, I used to love when a little patina of snow would fall on the ground and they would cancel school. It's a snow day. The Constitution doesn't take a snow day. You don't get to just make random, bloviating, crazy restrictions because you're the governor and say, well, it's snowing, so we don't notice that I'm a tyrant. You know, that's, that's, that's nuts. I mean, it's just nuts. Tucker Carlson had New Jersey governor uh, on Phil Murphy. And Phil Murphy, they had, they busted some Jewish people celebrating the holidays. And you know, Tucker said to this guy, hey, you know, the Constitution guarantees the right to assembly. It guarantees the right to worship. What are you doing? Listen to this and listen to his response. By what authority did you nullify the Bill of Rights in issuing this order? How do you have the power yeah, to we do were, that? That's above my pay grade, Tucker. So I wasn't uh, I wasn't thinking of the Bill of Rights when we did this. We went to all. First of all, we looked at the data well, and tell. the science and it says pe <laughs> people have to stay away from each other. 
that's the best thing we could do to break the back of the curve of this virus that leads to lower hospitalizations and ultimately fatalities. And, and I'm, not, I'm not contesting that, though. I think it's I do. I, I do think there's a debate. This is a, a rolling, a rolling conversation. This is the thing. Tucker's absolutely right about this. This is we're finding out information. You know, that's why I don't make uh, big declarations before I have all the information, before I see what's going on. We know they started with a two million, two and a half million uh, death prediction. That's now down to around 60,000. Again, I'm I'm not making uh, declarations about what's going to happen. I'm just saying that we do have to keep changing our minds. But at no point, at no point does the Bill of Rights go away. At no point does the Constitution get suspended. The Constitution go- is, is a gov- governs the federal government, and we understand that the state governments have more power. As you get closer and closer to the person, the person has more power, right? So that we let, we let for instance, a, a city, a municipality, say you can't smoke in restaurants. I hate that rule. I think if you own a restaurant, I think if you own a restaurant, you should be able to let people smoke in your restaurant. If people don't want to come, they don't have to come. But unfortunately, you know, the city does have uh, the power to make health regulations like that. So if you don't want to live there, you can move to another city where they let you smoke. But the thing is, the thing is, this is bad governance. Why is it bad governance? If you want people, if you want people to stay apart, you have to be reasonable. If you want people to follow your guidelines, they have to be reasonable guidelines. Still America. Flu hasn't changed the the nature of the country. Flu hasn't changed what the country is, what it's about. It's about freedom. It's about self-governance. It's about people doing things because they think they're the right thing to do. I know, we know that the Democrats, and I will talk about this. I'm going to talk about this in a minute, about how the Democrats do not like this idea. They do not like this idea. You know, this idea became popular at the same time science became popular. At the same time, Isaac Newton said, oh, you know, it's not little angels who move the planets around. It actually are law. There are laws, immutable laws that are in place already. We don't need God to control the, the planets, he's, he set that up so that it works, which is really what Newton said, right? He set up how it works. That led people to think, oh, well, maybe we don't need the king to run the economy. Maybe we don't need the king to run the government. Maybe things can work as they, if we let people do what they naturally do, maybe their natural desire to rise will let them rise. When we step away, when we step away, you know, uh, who was it? Uh, Dan Henninger this morning was pointing out that laissez-faire means let me do it. Let me do it. You know, if, if you will just leave us alone, we can run the country. So it's bad governance to oppress people, to make random laws, because people will oppose random laws. It's bad governance when they sit on the economy because a black market will start. start. That's where you get black markets. You get black markets when people think, you know what? They're not letting me sell this. I should be able to sell this. They're not letting me sell cigarettes. They're putting too high a tax on cigarettes. I'm going to get myself some cigarettes that fell off the truck. I'm going to sell them on the street. This is bad governance. It is bad governance. We have to get back to work. Everybody knows it. Everybody's feeling it. Donald Trump's probably going to talk about it today and start setting some dates. He's put together a bipartisan commission to do it. It is time to figure this, to work together and figure this out. It's obvious. All right, let me just talk about, well, you know what, before I do that, let me talk more importantly about ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter is one of our longest standing advertising partners. I have been making jokes uh, with the ZipRecruiter 
um, ad copy almost since I started. And we love working with them. They do a great job and they do a great thing for people. And they wanted to send you a message, a different type of ad today, a message they wanted to send you. And they wanted to just say to you that right now is the time when we can't be overwhelmed. We have to work to keep our loved ones safe and protect our communities. We have to work to stay strong, to stay connected, to stay focused. We have to work. We have to work to inspire, to innovate, to build new solutions. But for all of this to work, we have to work together. And at ZipRecruiter, we connect employers and people every day. Today is different. We're partnering with first responders, government, government officials, the medical community, the innovators, and the manufacturing, transportation, and food distribution industries to make sure we're finding the right people for the right jobs right now. We want to work together. ZipRecruiter.com slash work together. Go check them out. ZipRecruiter.com slash work together. These are companies, you know, like I said, these are companies that struggle, but they continue to support us. We hope you continue to support them. The difference between the Republicans and the Democrats, you know, the people who are pushing uh, too much governance, the people who are pushing too long a wait are all on one side. And it's fair to ask, about motives. Why are they so far? Why are they the ones pushing depression and, uh, and despair? You know, we don't, we don't have all the facts yet. We know the economy is killing the poorest, though, and that, those are supposed to be the people these socialists love. So I think the first thing we should do is we should check on Joe Biden. We, you know, he is the leader of the left now. He is the leader of the Democratic Party. We, we understand he's just a hologram, but he's an important hologram because he, is, he represents the Democrat Party at this at this important hour and this difficult hour. So let's hear what Joe Biden has to say on this crisis. He's talking about getting us back to work when they don't even have the ability to get it. I got a call yesterday. How do I get a test, Joe? Joe, I think I'm I think I have a problem, Joe. I got a I sat with a guy yesterday on on a telephone. And he's telling me, he said, I don't know. He said, look, I, 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 I worked at the hospital. And he said, then I, I, got, I got myself in a position where I got the virus. So they quarantined me and, and they put me in the hospital. and I made it out. And so I'm out. But they don't want me with my family. I'm on the third floor. I spent 15 minutes on the phone with them saying, he said, I have a three-year-old and a four-year-old. And they come to the door outside and they just knock on the door and say, Daddy, Daddy, can I see you, Daddy? Can I see you, Daddy? So we spent time going through it. I used to do it with my kids when they were little and I couldn't see them. And we'd play games. I said, knock, make up a game. Knock, knock on the door and say, this is, you know, practical things. The guy's scared to death. I'm Donald Trump and I approve this message. <laughs> scared to death. He's probably scared to death that this guy is going to become president. He said he probably wasn't wasn't scared to get death when he called up on what's that thing called that old the old telephone the old horn. He got on the horn and he dialed me up and as I was hearing the as he was dialing me up and we spoke on that uh, that machine. I'm like, isn't it a miracle? Isn't it a miracle that they have a machine now where you can actually talk to somebody who's not there in the room with you? It's a <laughs> amazing thing. And for some reason, when he hung up the phone, he was scared to death. I don't know. Oh, my goodness gracious. So that's the Democrats. But here also are the Democrats. Okay, here is also some of the stuff the Democrats have said. These are from our friends at Grabian. They put together a a supercut of some of the things the Democrats have said about this crisis. Cut 11. 
There's a long list of things. The OSHA, family and medical leave, more broadly interpreted, free testing. Uh, the list goes on and on. We need it big, we need it bold, and we need it futuristic, which means green. I mean, there's a long list of things. And infrastructure, clean water, community health centers. Uh, the list goes on and on. Absolutely, we see this as an opportunity to reshape uh, the way we do business and how we govern. A fully paid sick leave for all our workers, student loan forgiveness, cost-free treatment for the COVID-19, whatever the costs are related to that. I mean, there's a long list of things. Internet, broadband, the grid, you have to have mobility. We need money uh, for the postal services. The national minimum wage should be $15, but that's not nearly enough. Uh, the list goes on and on. A national effort to enlist doctors, nurses, uh, hospital workers of all kinds. I think the government should step in. I'm Donald Trump, and I approve this message. <laughs> I think I think we they have given us the absolute right to question their motives. When you are telling me that everything you've ever dreamed of is now made possible because people are dying, right? That you know people are dying, so therefore we're going to have uh, you know we're going to make sure that minorities are represented in boardrooms. We're going to make sure that there's a label on every plane saying you know what kind of food they're selling. You know, when you start saying we have the right to question these people's motives, what are they doing and why? You know, when I when I look at The New York Times and they're selling disinformation, they're selling disinformation about Joe Biden after selling disinformation about Brett Kavanaugh. You know, I have a right to say, well, wait, what's going on? Are you a newspaper or are you not? I understand you can have a bias. I understand you can cover things from one side, but you can't just lie to me. You know, you can't lie to me and continue to say that you are a newspaper. You can't put out a project that says, oh, America was founded, the American Revolution was caused because people were defending slavery. And when every historian who knows anything about it says, no, you don't back down. You can't do that. That's not, you're no longer an honest person. It, it, let's just listen one more, one more cut of our old friend, Alexandria Occasional Cortex, uh, who has really, I mean, she is, a, she is a thinker's thinker, all right. It is a funny moment because Everyone wants to fight against these policies until they've been personally impacted. And we've seen this not just economically, but we've also seen it in terms of social rights as well. You know, there are so many people that were against um, LGBT marriage equality until they realized, oh, wait, my friend, my my son, my daughter, my my, you know, my loved ones have come out of the closet. And I think that kind of vulnerability, that personal uh, vulnerability really brings up a lot of people around. You know, it's funny. Nobody wants a ventilator until he can't breathe. So we should let him breathe on a ventilator all the time. I mean, the logic there is weird. You know, what's interesting is the latest poll show that more people are approve of religious businesses not having to serve uh, gay people in certain ways that infringe on their religious rights than did before. So all their lawsuits and all their troublemaking and all this stuff is backing up on them. That's just a, a side note. Part of what is, is motivating these people is not just socialism, it is hatred of Donald Trump. Jonathan Carl, who hates Donald Trump as much as anybody, he's the chief White House correspondent for ABC News, he has written a new book called something like Front Row at the Trump Show. And, uh, and he says he hates him. He says the president is waging a war on truth, helping to convince millions of Americans that real news is fake, that journalists are partisans out to get him. And then he says, but the truth is that the mainstream media coverage of Donald Trump is relentlessly and exhaustively negative. His accomplishments, and there are accomplishments, are either ignored or overshadowed by the drumbeat of outrage fueled by his own outrageous 
behavior, right? He says it's relentless. He says, as he settled into the White House, Donald Trump actually had good reason to be outraged by what was being reported about his administration. So the hatred is, is real. Even Jonathan Carl admits it while hating him. And that's why when you get a story in the New York Times today, remember, uh, Trump has, has defunded the at least temporarily, has defunded the World Health Organization, which so deserves it. And their headline is, World Health Organization, now Trump's scapegoat, warned about coronavirus early and often. They were, they're always cautious, but they acted more forcefully and faster than many national governments. This is a lie. This is disinformation. And the reason it's disinformation is what it does is it picks, uh, cherry picks, things that were put up on the World Health Organization website, but ignores major statements that were made by Dr. No, the guy who runs, you know, the supervillain who runs the World Health Organization. Uh, Dr. Maria von Kirkhovey, they were giving a thing defending the World Health Organization from Donald Trump, and they asked her, well, weren't you, weren't you early on in, in warning people? And here's what she said. Right from the start, uh, from the first notification uh, that we received on the 31st of December, um, given that this was a, a cluster of pneumonia, um, I'm a, the, a MERS specialist, so my background is in coronaviruses and in influenza, so immediately thought, uh, given that it's a respiratory pathogen, that, of course, uh, there may be human-to-human -human transmission. So uh, initially, when we started to put together our technical guidance for um, our member states, um, we put uh, guidance that um, focused on how this virus could be transmitted. Um, and what we focused on was droplet and contact transmission, which is how respiratory pathogens are spread. We also, within our infection prevention and control guidance, put out um, a special provision for healthcare workers who are focused on conducting um, aerosol generating procedures in which we put in place recommendations for airborne transmission. That guidance is still in effect. It was all bullshit. <laughs> No, so this this lady, who is obviously a sincere, nice doctor working to help people, she saw right away that this was a problem and started putting out notices on the website. Okay, but the World Health Organization at the repeatedly stated in early and mid January that Wuhan healthcare workers weren't becoming infected with coronavirus, that there weren't human to human transmissions. Uh, uh, when a Wuhan doctor uh, said told China Youth Daily that by Christmas she had already heard of doctors becoming infected with the virus. The Wall Street Journal reported the Chinese doctors were aware of human-to-human -human transmission. Uh, since late December, the World Health Organization was continually saying China is getting it right and everybody else is getting it wrong. The New York Times lies because they hate Trump and they're supporting China because they don't like the United States of America. All right, we got uh, Glenn Beck coming up. But first, before we go away from Facebook and YouTube, let me remind you, we have got an amazing deal because you're stuck in your home and it's, we still haven't gone back to work. One leftist tear tumbler is not going to do it. When you see Joe Biden running for president, when you see that he is the head of the Democrat Party, you are going to need two leftist tears tumbler because there's going to be a lot of leftist tears. So here's what we got. When you become a Daily Wire Insider Plus or All Access member, we are going to send you two of these unique uh, gold studded uh, diamond-rimmed uh, daily <laughs> wire leftist tears tumbler that aren't any of the things I just said. Uh, both tumblers may not get you at the same time, but you'll definitely get two of them for the price of one. And more importantly, you'll get all the great Daily Wire members' benefits, uh, not just the tumbler, you also get ad-free website experience, 
access to all our live broadcasts and show library, the full three hours of the Ben Shapiro show and access to the mailbag where all your problems are solved. You get me, you get Knowles, you get Matt Walsh. And if you pay a little bit extra, you don't get Knowles. So it's really a great deal. Plus, we will send you two Leftist Tears tumblers. We got the great and irreplaceable and unique Glenn Beck coming right up. Come to dailywire.com and subscribe. You can become a, a full member to get your two Leftist Tears tumblers. All right. Glenn Beck needs no introduction, of course. He is the uh, founder of The Blaze. His new book is called Arguing with Socialists. Glenn is the one of the best broadcasters of his generation. He's there's really I can I can list two. One of them is Glenn, is Glenn Beck. Glenn, you there? Yeah, I am, Andrew. I th- that is uh, high praise coming from you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, it's true, pal. I, I wish if I could redistribute some of your talent to other right wing people, I would do it just so we could have more people uh, <laughs> like, like like this book, this like this book, Arguing with Socialists. I was looking at it. Seriously, I was looking at this book and thinking, why doesn't everybody do this? Because it's so it's such a simple format, but it makes such great points. I, I want to get back to arguing with socialists, the book in just a minute. But I have to talk to you about what's going on yeah. right now. And get your take on it, because, you know, you and I, I have a very optimistic worldview. You always see the disaster coming. And obviously, sometimes I'm going to be right, but sometimes you're going to be right. And this has been a bad run. Where do you stand on what should happen next? Uh, A, we have to get back to work. We have got to get back to work. Um, And one of the, you know, there's several things that I'm worried about. Um, I'm very worried about this. uh, The bailout, again, is going to the banks. Uh, the Fed is now the world's largest landowner. Um, it's it's not going to work for a V-shape uh, economy. We're probably about 15 to 18 percent unemployment right now. We'll find out in a couple of weeks. That's not going to get better fast. Uh, and and I know a lot of people who are really struggling who are small business people. We're going to see a lot of these people go under and not be able to survive. And I think, you know, you go to a bank and you're getting now last week, it was like 2.8. You could get a loan for 2.8. Now I think it's 3.6. And if you ask, Hmm. they'll say, well, the demand is up. Yeah, but you're getting the money for free. So why are you gouging me? Because you can. All the money that bailed your bank out came from me. You know what I mean? Came from the taxpayers. Right. And I think we are we are headed for real trouble. Donald Trump has to be uh, I mean, he's got a really good uh, gut on him. He has got to use his gut and not listen to these so-called experts. He's got to listen to the American people or this whole thing could tear us apart. Because, I mean, the one thing the one thing that makes me uh trust Trump in this is I think that he has got a real investment in this economy. I mean, I don't always trust Trump, but I know that he wants this economy to work. Uh, do you th- what do you think he's going to do next? Just as a guess. I think he's going to open up the economy as soon as he possibly can. He's going to continue to get bashed for it. Um, uh, I think he's going to uh, start taking Congress to task I mean, you know, there's, you know, Adam Schiff is doing oversight now on all of these checks. Really? Are you, Adam? Because you're looking just for stuff on Donald Trump. Right now, dead people are getting checks. Are you even talking about that, Adam Schiff? Uh, so it's it's really bad. The other thing I will tell you, I, I heard your opening monologue um, and you are spot on 
not only about the WHO, but also Facebook and YouTube. You know, the the when Facebook came out and said that they are going to be demonetizing and telling people exactly that you have been getting false information and then redirecting you to get the, uh, let me quote, the credible information from the World Health Organization in order to ensure dangerous myths about the disease and its origin, blah, 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 are not proliferated. This is, there's no way other to, to say um, you better be a subscriber to the Daily Wire or to the Blaze because they are going to uh, flood this with disinformation. It's one thing for CNN to report on a bunch of stuff that is absolutely wrong because we can judge it ourselves. What Facebook is doing is if they deem something wrong, they just smear us and delete us from your feeds. Right. That is a, a whole different uh, kettle of fish and extraordinarily dangerous. It's, it's the thing that bothers me most about the country today is this this absolute program of silencing people. It is the I, it is the worst. I can take any opinion as long as I can hear the opposite opinion. But when they shut people down, it really makes things yes. worse. Let's talk about your book, Arguing with yes. Socialists, because I was enjoying this so much. Why won't this why Thanks. won't this thing die? This vampire that sucks all the energy out of every economy. Why can't we kill it? Um, I don't think we can kill it because it is in human nature to be kind and to help one another, especially with the youth. It's usually driven by the artists and the youth um, because the big bleeding heart and it's good to have a heart, but it's also good to have a brain and couple the heart and the brain. There's this great letter from uh, Thomas Jefferson uh, where he debates his heart and his brain back and forth. He's in love with somebody. And he, he writes a letter from his heart to his brain. His brain responds back and forth. It's this great, great exercise. That's what needs to happen. We need to say, okay, this system doesn't work. I mean, put yourself in the shoes of a 20-something. Uh, maybe your first memory is 9-11 and you saw the world shake apart. And maybe you remember mom and dad being afraid because they lost their money in the stock market or their job was destabilized and the world changed. Maybe you remember that. But you definitely will remember 2008 when the world fell apart and you saw the big government grow. You saw the banks get bailed out, but mom and dad got nothing. And now your next memory is this one where mom and dad are out on the ropes again. You don't want that. You don't. You look at this system now and say this system is rigged. This system is totally unstable. It it punishes people who do the right thing. I I don't like this system. This isn't helping. That's who we're dealing with now. This is their experience. And so when you come to them and say, you know, there's a better way, and they they equate socialism with helping. They equate socialism with feeding people, helping the sick, or even Sweden. It, it, it is appealing. So what we have to do and what we did in the book is, A, we took apart Sweden and all of those lies. That, that is not a socialist nation. Uh, it was socialist, but they got out of it starting back you know, around the time that ABBA was dying because it wasn't working. <laughs> and so they have gone to a much freer market than we are even. But more importantly, um, we look at 
uh, we define words. The very first chapter, we just define the words. Communism, and I didn't really realize this until we started doing research on the book, communism is not what Russia did. No one has ever done communism. Communism is the utopia. Communism is the everybody lays down their guns and everybody puts their money in a big pile and everybody's happy. Um, well, that's never happened because they don't right. get past the middle step, which is socialism. Socialism <laughs> is the part where you have to take it from others to give it to others. You need a strong man. You need a gun to be able to see because there are people like in our society, probably I would hope it was much more than this, but I would say safe to say 30% of our nation will never go down that road. We won't, we will not stop becoming capitalist and believers in the free market. Well, what do you do as a socialist? You have to stop those people because you're convinced utopia is right on the other, other end. You have to understand that it is socialism that has killed millions, not communism, socialism. One of, one of the key things I think that uh, attracts people to socialism is it sounds a lot like Jesus. You know, Jesus said, give your money to the poor, uh, had, had a lot of care right. for the poor. What's the difference between a socialist and Jesus? Jesus never said, give your money to that guy and he'll give it to somebody else. <laughs> he said, you do it. <laughs> socialism does not change people's hearts. In fact, it hardens hearts. I remember this became so true to me when I lived in New York City. Um, because I've, I'm the kind of guy that I grew up in small towns and everything else. And even in my town here, uh, just outside of Dallas, you know, I'll be walking down the street and I'll see a piece of garbage or something in a garbage can. And I'll pick it up and put it in the, the garbage can in New York. There are so many restrictions and so many people that have been hired in so many departments and everything else. And you are taxed to death. I lived in New York for the, the first year. This happened to me within 12 months of living there. I came up to my uh, uh, office building and there was garbage blowing everywhere in the streets without even thinking. I said, who the hell is responsible for this? Why isn't the city doing something? I just became angry. I, I didn't I didn't even consider doing anything myself because mm. that's what we pay people to do. So why is this right. problem still here? I, am I not paying enough in taxes? It doesn't change your heart. It hardens you. Mm. It, it distances you from the things that have to be done. I got to stop there, I'm sorry to say, but Arguing with Socialists is the book. The author is the great Glenn Beck. Glenn, I hope you'll come back on, uh, talk some more. I always love talking to you. I, anytime I love you. Anytime, Andrew. I'm a huge <laughs> fan. Thanks a lot, Glenn. And by the way, All right. you have yeah. one of the best uh, addicts. You have one of the best addicts of anybody I've ever seen. Isn't it cool? I know. It's, <laughs> it's a nice house. It really is. Next time you're in it town, It really is. Yeah. It really is. <laughs> okay. Thanks, man. Uh, thanks a lot. All right. Uh, a final reflection. I, I've just started watching Tiger King. I know everybody else has seen it, but I've only just started because I was finishing Babylon Berlin, which, by the way, is great. The third season of Babylon Berlin is unbelievably good. However, I started watching Tiger King and I have to I have one reflection because I haven't seen a lot of it. So I'm not going to give anything away. But the one thing that really got to me about it 
is that it's about these country folks and these guys and they see people who have no teeth and people who talk in these funny accents. And I think a lot of elites are watching this thing and saying, oh, man, those, pe- those people are crazy. Those Look at the people with no teeth and they, you know, they do all this stuff and they, do, they sit around with tigers and all this stuff. And a lot of these people are uh, the people they cover are unscrupulous people. A lot of them are people uh, that you wouldn't want to know or associate with. However, however, the thing that makes what they do possible is that they are in sequestered cultures. They are in cultures that do not refer to anything outside themselves. And in that, they are exactly like the New York Times. There is no difference between a sequestered culture where they treat animals in a way, or treat women, as one of the things that you see in this is the way they treat women is pretty uh, appalling. There's no difference between a culture that can do that and a culture like the one at the New York Times where they can lie to the public and treat one side so differently from the other side and then go in front of people and make ridiculous excuses, as Dean Bacay did this uh, this week, and not know they're doing it. I, you know, Dean Bacay is the tiger king of journalism. These people at CNN who are back at, and MSNBC who are backing the Chinese and spreading Chinese propaganda, they are the tiger kings of journalism. It's not so much the fact that these people are rubes, which is what everybody, all the elites think. It's that they are in sequestered cultures that have no reference to anything but themselves. You've got to be able to say, to hear arguments from the other side and explain why they're wrong and explain why you're right before you can call yourself a full person in a full culture. And that's what they don't do on this show. And that's what they don't do in American journalism. Hey, I'm going to be on tonight, I think, on All Access at 5 Pacific, 8 Eastern. Am I right about this, guys? I am right about this, right? I am going to be there. Yeah. Okay. So I am going to be there. So please be there. Come, come and talk. Uh, ask questions. You can ask anything you want. You know my answers are guaranteed 100% correct and will change your life. So that's, that's a good way to spend an hour. 5 o'clock Eastern, uh, 8, p.m., 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Uh, you got to be a subscriber, so subscribe and come by tonight on All Access. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show. For the rest of you, it's the Clavenless Weekend. Survivors gather here on Monday if there are any fat chance. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, give us a five-star review and also tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Matt Wall Show, and The Michael Knoll Show. Thanks for listening. The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Robert Sterling and directed by Mike Joyner. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. And our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Assistant director, Pavel Wydowski. Edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio mixed by Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Production assistants, McKenna Waters and Ryan Love. The Andrew Claven Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there.